What's up, world? Welcome to a new episode of the Brian Janu Show. As you know, I am Brian Janu, and like always, podcast platforms everywhere is where you can find this audio, man. You can find just this voice of mine on audio. I hope you guys like it. Uh, follow me there. Uh, you can rate and review on there on all podcast platforms, as well as my YouTube channel, Brian Janu Show. Shout out to all the people that's been subscribing. I hope you guys enjoy this upcoming episode. Um, and of course, like always, you, social media, TikTok, Instagram, brand new show. I hope you guys enjoy it. Excuse me. And let's get into it. Woo-wee. Welcome to Life of Times of Music, man. And this is going to be fun. So a couple of weeks, months, 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 on months, on months, I started posting that I was going to do a label. I was going to do a full-fledged label. I was going to talk about a label on Life and Times of Music as an artist, which, yeah, it's kind of crazy. But I picked the labels that I liked, uh, I grew up on, and I loved, and I just truly just fucked with. And one label that I love and I grew up on, and I think it's still one of the, one of the, you know, quintessential greatest labels when I was a kid. You look at the roster that they had, it's like, what the fuck? And then the way it fell, like, the way they disbanded, it was like, damn, what the fuck? This label that I'm talking about is Rockefeller. Rockefeller Records. Ah, I grew up a huge Rockefeller fan. Um, of course, Rockefeller was created by Jay-Z, Dame Dash, and Biggs. A lot of people forget that there was three people that created Rockefeller, not just two. We always hear Jay and Dame, but Biggs was also a part of that. Biggest, as we know as state property. <laughs> Biggest. Um, but Rockefeller was created by three people, man. And they sought out to get at least a record deal. And you had literally record labels and record people tell tell them, pretty much Jay-Z, of all people, that you ain't good. We don't need you. You're not that guy. You're never going to be that guy. And you get told that, like, what the fuck? Are you serious? So Jay-Z and Dame and Biggs go... And they create his debut album, Reasonable Doubt. We're buzzing the street of him freestyling, doing battle rapping, also being pretty much attached to Biggie Smalls, who was the biggest name at that time, especially in rap, still to this day is one of the biggest names in fucking hip-hop. So to be attached to Biggie, bad boy, you kind of do get to the point where it's like, you know what, maybe we should do our own shit. Reasonable Doubt Drops, 1996, and it got what it needed to get. A lot of people say, well, it didn't sell crazy, it didn't go crazy. It got what it needed, and that is eyeballs on Rockefeller. It was an independent label to the point where when they finally did pair up with a label, a major distributor, it was Def Jam. Now, Def Jam will be also a record label that I will be talking about. 
But Def Jam at this time in 96, they needed, they had never really corporate, like they have never really partnered with a label where to the point where the label is coming in already established. We just need you to be the distributor. We don't need you to do anything else, just distribute marketing. That's it. And that's exactly what they did. Reasonable Doubt comes out in 96, but we really got Jay-Z really buzzing in the streets. That's what happened in 97. He released a project in a DVD called The Streets is Watching. Well, it wasn't a DVD. It was kind of like a tape, VCR tape, but, you know, you get the point. He released The Streets is Watching, and that created the journey. That showed people the hard work, the dedication, what he had been putting in to get to that point in his career. And that's what got people really into Jay-Z, which goes into 97, where he finally releases uh, Sean Kong, uh, the Sean Kong Lodges, <laughs> S. Carter, Volume 1, which is Life of Times of Sean Carter, Volume 1. He drops that project, and it becomes pretty damn successful. <laughs> pretty freaking successful, man. What he had on there? Um, I think on there he had Imaginary Players, Where I'm From, which is one of the classics of all classics. And that album just skyrocketed for him. 98, he releases, uh, what do you release? Sean, Life and Times, Life and Times, no, Volume 1, I think he just had Imaginary Players, maybe? No, he had definitely, yeah, but I remember uh, Volume 2, that's when I think he had Money and a Thing. Yeah, with Jermaine Dupree. And then he released in 90, what, 99? He released, I think he released two albums in 99, which is crazy. I think he released two. Yeah, 97 released Volume 1. 98 he released Volume 2. And 99 I released, yeah, 99 he released uh, Volume 3. Yeah. In 99, and then 2000, he released, uh, no, volume, no, 2000, he released Volume 3. So 2000 was the last Life and Times of Sean Combs, Volume, uh, Sean Carter, Sean Carter, Sean Carter, Volume 3. And on the 99, on 2000's version of it, that's when you hear, um, Big Pimpin. Yeah, Big Pimpin. Statue Chick with him, Mip Bleak, Missy Elliott, Twister. Damn. Yeah, shit. Ah, damn. Look at that <laughs> But also in 2000, he released La Famili- Rockefeller La Familia, which opens the door to these new artists that he had just signed to Rockefeller. Beanie Siegel. Freeway, Young Gunners, like, he released this project at the end of 2000, and then that becomes the Rock La Familia project, and on there you have, this can't be life with him, Scarface, and Beanie Siegel, 
are one eight hundred hustlers with him, Mill Bleak, with him, Mill Bleak, Beanie Siegel, and um and a uh, freeway. And of course, I just want to love you. <laughs> like, now give it to me. Give me that funk, that sweet, that gassy, that gushy stuff. Don't bullshit me. <laughs> like, yeah, that 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 project was fire, nigga. Yeah, nigga. And then comes 2001, and this is where it got real, and it got real fast. Uh, Blueprint drops, man, and that's when it just takes off. Rockefeller takes off. And then that's when you get the Beanie Siegel projects, and you get the, you know, Freeway, Mibleek, and, and all these labels, and all these artists now start to blossom and go into other directions. But around this time, that's when you start to hear the production team that he started to put together. Rockefeller started to put together. Just Blaze. Um, Heatmaker, which was Dipset. And one producer by the name of Kanye West. All of this shit happens all at the same fucking time, 2001, 2002. And at this time, music starts to go through the Napster shit. And you're trying to filter out what's the good and what's the bad of music like you're doing now. But Rockefeller becomes this juggernaut. Fucking juggernaut, dude. Blueprint 2 comes out in 2002. But then you also have Beanie Siegel drop his debut albums. And Mip Bleak and Freeway drop. And then you got Dipset, which is a whole other entity, but it's part of Rockefeller. Dipset with Cameron and Jim Jones and Jewels and Harrell and Freaky Zeke and you know what I'm saying? And then you got State Property, which is a whole nother entity. That's with Beanie. That's with Freeway. That's with the Young Gunners. That's where, you know, Peter Crack. And, and like, it was just a different fucking energy, man. Like, you know, you know, like, it was just different, man. All of this shit was different. Rockefeller was different. It was a different animal. And it goes into 2003, four. And that's when Jay-Z decides to leave the game. He decides to retire. But before he leaves, he drops the Black Album. And before he also leaves, he leaves a friendly reminder on me of Bleak's project. Dear Summer. And that song goes crazy. And the time that Jay-Z starts to leave and retire... This is around a time where one Kanye West emerges as an artist. So Jay-Z's leaving. Kanye is now starting to become the guy. Carries on a Rockefeller name. Freeway and Beanie and all of them start to get into situations. But before they break, before everything, Cam, Ron, Internal situations start to kick in, I should say. Internal situations start to kick in. 
things start to take place. It turns to Jay-Z versus Dame. It turns to Jay-Z versus Dame, pretty much. And now you got to pick sides. Rockefeller. Goes into a civil war, pretty much. If you came with Jay, you stay with Jay. Came in with Dame, stay with Dame. It got bad to the point where Dame, Jay Z took a vacation. Took a vacation. Came back, and Cameron was the vice president of Rockefeller. What the fuck? (laughs) What the fuck? At 05, Rockefeller disbanded. Broke up. But it wasn't the end of Rockefeller. Well, it was then for that, Rockefeller. Because in 08, Jay-Z creates Rock Nation. And the first artist he signs to Rock Nation is J. Cole. He signed others, but no thing, nothing has been more successful than J. Cole. Kanye goes off and becomes a mega fucking star. To the point where most people sees him as an equal to Jay-Z, which is crazy, but do you think? It got to the point where Jay-Z and Kanye even collabed on a collaboration album, Watch the Throne. And man, oh man, a lot of people rejoice for Rockefeller. Before Rockefeller disbanded, they signed Ghostface Killer, Old Dirty Bastard, Tiana Marie, and had the opportunity to sign Little Wayne. Yeah. Dame and Jeff had their spots throughout the years about what happened, what truly happened, what prevented, what could have been prevented, what's really transformed, what happened. Jay-Z's even beefed with Beanie and Cameron and all them over the shit. Rockefeller legacy to me, though. And this is where it gets to. Rockefeller's legacy is of what could have been. If envy and greed and money and industry bullshit and people and, you know, all that didn't play into it, into this world that we love so much. What could have been? I think Rockefeller would have had one of the biggest labels of all time if everything had went the way it went. But instead, it went the way it went. And now we got a question, what if? What if Dame and Jay 
just had a chance to sit down and talk, had a conversation, realized there's nothing really that was that major to the point where we got to break this shit up. What if ego and greed didn't fuck up the game? Fuck up Rockefeller, man. What if Beanie didn't go always to prison? Like, what the fuck? Like, what would have been of Kanye West? What if, what would have happened if Lil Wayne and Cashman couldn't work shit out? And Wayne ends up at Rockefeller. What would have happened? I wish that Rockefeller had a proper ending. It didn't have a proper ending, but nothing really does. But what we got while it was here, some of the greatest artists, some of the greatest rappers, some of the greatest collabs, some of the greatest producers, some of the greatest content from a label in modern history. And for that, and you got to also put into perspective, when Jay-Z left, he went and became president of Def Jam. And in that time frame, when he left, he signed Rick Ross, Fabulous, and Neo and Rihanna. So if Rockefeller was alive in 06, because they disbanded in 05, if Rockefeller was alive in 06, Rihanna, Neo, Fabulous, J. Cole, and Rick Ross would have all been a part of Rockefeller. That shit's crazy. When you put shit into perspective, that shit's crazy. What if it never broke up? What if? Damn. What if? Thank you to Jay-Z, Dame, and Biggs. Thank you to State Property, Beanie, Free, Young Gunners, they're bleak. Thank you, Kanye and Dipset, Cam, Jim Jones, Jewels, Harrell, Freaky Z. Thank you. Y'all left a legacy that is so hard to replace. Thank you. Brian Janusho. And it's The Rock. Peace.